Welcome back to Cobb's Corner. I'm your host, Morgan Cobbs. In today's episode, we're going to be reviewing The Count of Monte Cristo. Count of Monte Cristo is an action-adventure drama from 2002, directed by Kevin Reynolds, written by... The book was written by French author Alexandre Dumont and uh, Jay Wolpert. It stars Jim Cavazell, Guy Pearce, and Christopher Adamson. A young man, falsely imprisoned by his jealous quote-unquote friend, escapes and uses a hidden treasure to exact his revenge. The Count of Monte Cristo is an adaptation of the Alexandre Dumont tale by the same name. Dantes, a sailor, is falsely accused of treason by his best friend, Fernand, who wants Dantes's girlfriend, Mercedes, for himself. Dantes is imprisoned on the island prison of Chateau d'If for 13 years, where he plots revenge against those who betrayed him. With help from another prisoner, he escapes the island and proceeds to transform himself into the wealthy Count of Monte Cristo as part of his plan to exact revenge. Let's go to Cobb's Corner. So the movie is set in 19th century France after Napoleon Bonaparte has been exiled to the island of Elba and he was being held there by the British and apparently the British they didn't want to take any chances of Napoleon escaping so they had pretty much intense like an intense military presence on that island and they fired at pretty much anyone who would dare sail by that island no matter how desperate or innocent they might have been so the opening scene we see um, uh, Edmond, Edmond Dantes played by Jim Cavazell and uh, Guy Pierce well uh, Fernand Mondego played <laughs> played by uh, Guy, Guy Pierce and um, you might recognize uh, Guy Pierce he also played um, Aldrich Killian in Iron Man 3 and he's not the only superhero um, actor who is in this movie. We'll get to that uh, later on. Well, we see them, they, apparently their ship's captain is sick, so they, out of desperation, sailed over to the island of Elba, and, and, and we see, um, how Edmond, he is, I guess, second mate, and, and then first mate, who, I'm blanking on, who play who the uh, oh um gosh and then his his uh, first mate Dung Dung Lars Dung Dung Lars <laughs> I was I was I was blank blanking on the name for a minute yeah Dung Lars played by Albie Whittington yeah he he's the first mate and Edmund is the second mate they end up going to the island island of Elba and fighting off a bunch of British troops. Napoleon shows up and says how he will help them heal their uh, doctor. Napoleon, who is, again, technically a prisoner there, and technically imprisoned there by the British. And um, unfortunately, the captain dies, but Napoleon gives uh, Edmund a, an, an, an important letter to deliver to, to, to deliver to somebody on Marseille. Versailles, which, which, is, which is where they're from. And Edmund takes his task, but then he is... Right, and then he he's also has a girlfriend back home, Mercedes, played by Dagmara Dominkvist. 
probably mispronouncing that. Um, so we see how and 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 after the the death of the death of their captain, Edmund has promote, been promoted to captain. So he has his captain's papers. He's officially the captain of their ship, and he you know is ready to settle down with Mercedes. Um, although he says, you know, I can't afford a ring. She says, like, I don't need a ring. She literally tears off, like, a piece of, like, the blanket, ties it around her fingers, says, like, you know, this will be my ring. I will never take it off. And so, yeah, the two of them. So, yeah, think, think, things are going great for for Edmund. But, of course, you know, his, his quote-unquote best friend, Fernand, is jealous of him and really just, and, and, and sort of turns him in to the High Magistrate, uh, Villefort, played play by uh, James Frayne, who then... who then ends up having... having Dante's uh, locked up. He ends up going to the Chateau d'If, the prison. The Ch Chateau d'If prison, to which Edmond Dantes tells the um, marshal working there how... he's like, I know you hear... I know you must hear this a lot, but I am innocent. Like, I am truly innocent. So, yeah, <laughs> but you know, for, for for those of us who are watching the movie, like we we know we we actually know that Edmond Dantes is innocent, and he spends and and during during his time there, he encounters a priest who is played by Christopher Adamson, and the priest teaches him how to read and write. Yeah, uh, the preacher te teaches him how to how to read and write, and teaches him how to um, teaches him like mathematics, economics, and you know, math mathematics, economics, the way of the sword. Oh no, um, scratch that. Uh, the priest is played by Richard Harris. <laughs> yeah, the late the late Richard Richard Harris who. Who actually passed away the same year that this movie came out? The movie came out, uh, I think, January twenty fifth. Well, I know I think it came out January of two thousand two. He died October twenty fifth, two thousand two, just months after the movie's release. He was also in uh, Gladiator, Harry Potter's one and two, The Unforgiven, A Man Called Horse. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, the late Richard Harris plays the uh, priest, uh, Abby Faria. Priest teaches Edmond how to read and write, because again, Edmond is illiterate at this point. How to read and write, teaches him mathematics, economics, the way of the sword, and they come up with a plan for digging for digging their way out of out of the prison. And 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 essentially what happens is they're like in in their prison cells, their slot at the bottom opens twice a day, once for their meal and then once for their toilet bucket. So the plan is they hide the dirt in the toilet bucket, and they between between those times they have the entire day to work freely and to go back and forth between each other's uh, prison cells and and over 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 time, yep, and and over and over time, over years really they 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 uh dig they, they dig their way out and there's, there's even a couple fun scenes where the priest teaches edmund like newton's laws of motion i'm like all right yes we're learning uh we're, lear we're learning stem we're learning mathematics uh you know edmund kind of loses his faith a bit you know he starts to question the existence of god and it's not entirely like Confirmed, I don't think, like whether or not Edmund is like religious or not. There's an inscription on the wall in his cell that was written by whoever was there before him called God. It says, God will give me justice. And Edmund pretty much traces this same inscription like again and again, like God will give me justice. God will give me justice. So, and, and over time he, he becomes close with the priest and the priest tells him about how the reason why he's why he's in why he's in um, why he's in prison was because he worked he he fought alongside Napoleon. He was like a 
general or something, and then say so he he had a position in, in Napoleon's armies, but then he had a task of burning down a church with everyone with everyone still in it, and to his shame, he actually he actually went went ahead and did it. Um, but then he deserted and spent his entire life repenting. He became secretary to. He became secretary to like some nobleman who then threw him in prison because he claimed not to have knowledge of of um, Sada. You know the there's like a giant uh, you know gold bunch of gold buried in. Uh, Sada, or like near Monte Cristo, but he lied, and you know he was thro thrown in jail. So that's how the priest ended up in prison. Eventually, now in total, uh, Edmund was in prison for thirteen years, and so at the thirteen-year point, um, as they're digging their tunnel, they see plant roots, which means they're only a couple months out. But then, as they're digging, the, their uh, their tunnel starts to collapse in on in on on itself. Edmund's able to pull the priest out, and then the priest uses his dying breaths to share share with Edmund the map to all the gold buried buried in uh, Sada near uh, Monte Cristo. So then. Edmund actually, well, af after after the uh, guards have come with the like body bag essentially for for the priest's corpse, Edmund has a very clever plan of taking the priest's body through the tunnel, leaving it leaving the priest's body in his cell, and then he himself um, going uh, going inside of the <laughs> body bag, so. They take so the marshal and everybody. They take Edmund Dantes's body alive in the body bag. They carry him up to like this cliff. They don't know that it's him. And then just as they're about to throw him off, Dantes grabs the keys and pulls the marshal to the water with him. And so Dantes escapes. He kills the marshal. He swims over to. He you know swim swims over to. Uh, some beach about two miles away from Chateau d'If. He meets uh, Luigi Vampo, played by J.B. Blanc, an Italian smuggler who who tells him that he has to that he has to uh, kill Jacopo Jacopo, played by Luis Guzman in order, in order to join their crew, but at the last second, you know, he says like he says, Jacopo is like the best with the knife to which Edmund Dante says, maybe you just need to get out more. <laughs> so the two of them duel, but Dantes refuses to kill Jacopo. It refu refuses to, to, to kill Jacopo and says, you know, those crew members who wanted to see a bit of sport have seen it. Um, you know, me, you know, you, you are now, you have, you now have one extra member of the group, you know, you, you you now have one 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 extra member of the group, and you know it's like now we can all we can all travel together. To which Jacopo is now in Dante's debt. You know now ja Jacopo says, you know I will follow you. I will protect you for the rest of your life. I will always be by your side. And they give Dante's the name of Zatara. Which apparently means driftwood, and for the next three months, uh, Dantes is living with this with this pirate crew, and and um, they make their way back to Marseille, and now it's like, and and now it's like it's all kind of come, it's all starting to come full circle. We're starting to see, but we see an entirely new Dantes. We see an entirely new uh, Ed Edmond Dantes. Who I think at, at this point he's not even played by, if I'm not mistaken, he's played by Barry Casson. I think Barry Barry Casson, who plays the old uh, the old Ed Edmund Dantes.
but um Oh, no, no. Barry Casson, I think, plays Dantes' father. My bad. And so Dantes has come back, has, has, has come back to Marseille. He's gone to see, he realizes that his father had hung himself after, after, after hearing about Edmund's treason, how Mercedes has now, how Mercedes has now wedded with Fernand, has now wedded, wedded Fernand, so soon, like you know, quickly af after Dantes's, after the fake news. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm 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 just I'm I'm just being honest. I mean that that's that's pretty much what it was. They had Dantes declared dead, um, knowing full well that he was actually like in prison. So Mercedes she settles down with Fernand, and yep, and uh, Edmund he. He visits his old employer and even leaves him with some uh, some money. And his last words are, Edmund Dantes is dead. Which I think is a nod to how we see, like, I guess, three different Edmunds throughout the film. We see Edmund Dantes during, like, maybe the first act, like, pre-prison Edmund Dantes. We see Edmund Dantes while he's in prison. And then we're going to see Edmund Dantes... A.K.A. Zatara as the Count of Monte Cristo. So, he's saying Edmund Dantes is dead. Him saying the old me is dead. You know, everybody, you know, no, nobody knows that that he's actually Edmund Dantes. He he claims to be a friend of Dantes, but so he and uh, he tell he tells Jacopo to go um, buy a ship, and they got a little you know skiff, something that they can. That the two of them can maintain. They sail over to Sada and pick up all the, all this gold. And as they're on the beach, Jacopo says, yeah, Jacopo tells him how all your problems are gone. You know, you know, whatever your problems were, they are gone. You know, what would we use this money for? And Dantes says, revenge. You know, and Dante says uh, revenge. To which Jacopo says, "How like we can literally just go to Paris and kill, you know, Villefort, for Villefort, for Fernand, um, you know, and you know wh wh whoever wronged you. You know, we can go and just kill them. Bang, 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 bang." To which Dante's replies, "Death is too good for them." So, yeah. Yep to it. Yep to which Dante's replies like, "Death, death is too good for them. We, we have to, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I have to like actually ruin their lives. You know, Don, Don, Donglar included. So, so of course they take this money and with the money that they have and, they, and there's still a ton of money left that they weren't able to take with them all at once. They go and they go to Paris." And they purchase a giant mansion from one of like the nobles. <laughs> like Jacopo literally just shows up and says, "Like hi, I'm ready. I'm, I'm like I'm prepared to uh, purchase your house." And then they just walks over to the horse carriage, opens the back, and then that man was like, "All right." So he was like, "Hey, say less. Here's the keys. Like like sign your name here. Here's the keys. Have fun." <laughs> and then so now Dante's with this inheritance. He has used it to. Pretty much become the Count of Monte Cristo to pose as the Count of Monte Cristo. He po he sends invitations out to like all of France, and then shows up to the party on a hot air balloon. That is exactly how I will be showing up to any uh, live episode from now on. Just like showing up on a hot air balloon. That's how I'm going to show up to work one day. Uh, <laughs> just show up on a hot air balloon. That's kind of just his way of saying like you know come at me, bro, and. <laughs> And yeah, just at, at this point, just like living vicariously through uh, Dante's, I mean, he becomes the Count of Monte Cristo. He realizes that he realizes that apparently Fernand and Mercedes have a son, who then, who then, who then, who then Dante's realizes has gone to Rome. Son played by Henry Cavill, who you'll remember as. The now former uh, actor of Superman. Yep. So Henry Cavill, 
well, a young, a young, a young Henry Cavill. Yeah, you know, this movie's twenty-one years old, and he goes over to Rome, but then he's captured by Luigi and his crew, who were then who were hired by Edmund in in the first place, and then after after Al, Alberto Mondego is 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 their is their son's name. Oh, oh, yeah, and at this point, Fernand is is a count. He is now the count. He is now Count Mondego. Yep, he is now Count Mondego after his father passed away. So now he's Count, and then Mercedes is the Countess, Count Countess Mondego, and uh, so Albert Mondego is supposedly their son. And so Albert escapes. Edmund tells Luigi and everybody, "Good job." Albert, <coughs> Albert has uh, breakfast with with Edmund the next day, and at some point during during their breakfast, the words "gold" and "shipment" come up accidentally. So now Albert has knowledge of the gold shipments that they're shipping to Marseille, and Fernand tries to like steal, and Fernand tries to uh, steal it. Try tries to steal the. Um, Inheritance, uh, but then ends up, but then ends up getting apprehended by the French, and yeah, but yeah. Then Ed, Edmund like devises this plan to apprehend Fernand, and pretty sure he actually kills Dunlar. So yeah, now we're we're starting to see, you know, Edmund Dantes. He's on the warpath, and he even like stops Villefort. For committing treason, for for essentially wrongfully imprisoning him, you know, finds Villeport in like a public like sauna, and like apprehends him there. So, and eventually, and eventually, uh, Dantes finds out that Albert is actually his son. That Albert is actually the that Albert is actually the offspring of Mercedes. And Edmond, and not Mercedes and Fernand. Hence, why Mercedes was so quick to marry Fernand after Edmond's supposed uh, death. So, because you know, chances are she was all she was already she was already pregnant with Edmond's child. So she was so you know quick to settle down with Fernand and just say, "Look, he's Fernand's child," and give him Fernand's last name. But Mercedes finally she like tracks down Edmond, who again at this point is the is the Count of Monte Cristo, and tells her tells him that he's Edmond and that he has essentially left her and abandoned her and the two of them they make up and I guess they're together again as Fernand attempts to escape after he's been charged with all these uh, criminal acts. He attempts attempts to escape, but then finds that whatever chests of gold he might have stolen, whatever 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 chests chests of gold he might have stolen, they're not there anymore. And then he's then he is stopped by Edmond, who challenges him to a sword to a sword duel, and then the fight is interrupted by Albert, who. Who Edmund then tells who, who Edmund, along with Mercedes, they explain that Albert is Edmund's son, and then in an attempt to escape, Fernand shoots Mercedes, who survives. And the movie ends with a duel between Edmund and Ferdinand, where Edmund is forced to kill his quote-unquote best friend, Fernand Mondego. Edmund buys the Chateau d'If. Well, I think the very last scene in the movie, Edmund, he buys the Chateau d'If. He says, you know, I, I bought this in, ho in, in hopes that I would burn it down one day. But now, all, but now everything that I love in life is standing right before me. Referring, of course, to his wife, his son, Jacopo, who, you know, Jacopo, who has been by his side ever since the start of his plot for revenge says you know everything I love in life is standing right in front of me you know I have found peace 
and the movie ends. I, I, I can't remember if it's the last shot of the movie or the last shot in the prison where we see that inscription, God will give me justice. So in a way, God has given him justice and, you know, well, I've mentioned this before on this podcast. I, I understand that this movie is not really a religious movie. Um, and I, and I've, I've mentioned in the past that I myself am a Christian and you know, I'm raised Christian, still, 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 am, still am a Christian to this day. Um, you know, it says in the Bible, God, that says in the Bible that vengeance belongs to the Lord. So that we should not seek vengeance ourselves. So even after all that, you know, Ed, Edmund has found peace and, you know, he see, he sought out justice. He said, you know, God will give me justice. God has given him justice and vengeance belongs to the Lord. Um, religious significance aside, uh, this movie, you know, regardless of what you believe in, you know, for, for those of you listening, uh, this movie is a tale not only of revenge, but of making the best out of your situation. You see, Edmund could have given up in prison. You know, going to prison for a crime that he did not commit. He could have given up. He could have said, I'm going to die in here. What's the point of me trying to escape? And at one point he did tell the priest... Either you teach me the way of the sword or you dig alone. And the, and the priest's last words to Edmund were, Do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. And that, and that, and that, and that really, that really uh, resonated, resonated uh, with me and, and anyway. Because um, you know, a lot of times in life, things happen. You may not want them to happen, but they do. And... <clears throat> You know, the answer is never killing or, you know, taking taking a life. Because cause Edmund served, he was serving for murder, which he, for, which, which he, which he was innocent, you know, treason and murder. Pat, the, the priest said, do not commit the crime for which you now serve the sentence. And that vengeance belongs to the Lord. As Edmund did his best to make the best of his situation. Again, he could have he could have just given up. Could have given up. Could have accepted defeat. But no, he was determined to leave that prison. He was determined to dig his way out, to learn all that he could, learn how to read and write. Because it's my understanding that at that time, you know, like 18th, 19th century Europe. Not on. Not not every man knew knew how to read and write. Like lit literacy wasn't really commonplace at that time. Not like it is today. And but he learned all that he could: mathematics, economics, science, literacy, physics, different languages. And and yeah, he. Um, worked his way out. He could have just stayed there. He could have just given up. And nobody would have judged him for doing so. He could he could have given up. He could have accepted defeat. And again, nobody would have judged him for uh, doing so because it's almost like a question of what would you do if you were in prison, if you were wrongfully convicted, if you know, if you if you were wrong if you were wrongfully convicted and in prison would you just sit there and serve your sentence for a crime that you know you didn't commit? Or would you do everything in your power to get up to get up out of there? And it doesn't even have to be like, you know, prison. It's like, you know, a lot of times and I know I'm about to <laughs> I'm about to like, you know, quote you know, Rocky Balboa but, you know, there's that scene where he's talking with his son in in the movie Rocky Balboa. Where he says, you know, life ain't always sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. And nobody's going to hit you as hard as life itself. Nobody. No opponent is going to hit you as hard as life. But it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit 
and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Because that's how winning is done. For Edmund to be thrown in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And for 13 years, dig his way out. Dig his way out, learn all that he could, and come out of that prison a new man. I kind of see the parallels between uh, the Count of Monte movies like the Count of Monte Cristo. I can see the parallels with maybe Gladiator and Iron Man. Because, you know, in Gladiator you have Maximus, he went from being a general to then being a to then being a slave to then being a gladiator. You know, we see three different versions of the same character. Edmund, he went from being a from being first mate, who was promoted to captain, to then being a prisoner, to then being a count. Um Iron Man, he went from a peace-hating, and I've talked about this on my very first episode, check it out on um, my review of Iron Man, you know, in uh, Plato's Allegory of the Cave, he was a peace-hating, war-mongering arms dealer who was, who was humbled, who was brought to his knees by life, essentially. Life brought him to his knees, he was forced to look at his legacy, he was forced to view his legacy and what he and, the, and how he created weapons of mass destruction and you know and then came and then came out of that cave a new man same story with Edmund Dantes even you could argue with Malcolm X you now in high school I read the I read the autobiography of Malcolm X I watched Spike Lee's movie Malcolm X and we see three Malcolms there was the Malcolm the hustler the there was Malcolm, you know, the the hustler, the pimp, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the criminal. And then, there's, and then there's Malcolm when he was in prison and he converted to Islam and changed and, and, and turned his life around during his 10 years, 10 years in prison. The entirety of his 20s, he got locked up at 20 years old, younger than me. And then at 30, when he left, then, after being released from prison at 30, he came out a new man and went on to become one of the leading voices in the American Civil Rights Movement. So this movie, the main takeaway is always make the best of your situation. Never just accept defeat. Never give up. Regardless of whatever it is that you're going through, it doesn't have to be you being wrongfully accused of a crime. I mean, that's just the example in this in this movie. It could be anything, big or small. You know, you lose your job, or you go through a breakup. You know, life will knock you down, time and time again. It'll bring you to your knees, and it'll keep you there if you let it. If you let it, it'll keep you. It will keep you there. That's the key, is to get back up again and take each day that we have on this earth as an opportunity to improve your life, to become your best self, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of whatever curveballs life may throw at you. Make the best of your worst times. Make the best of your worst days.
So this movie has a 7.7 .7 out of 10 on uh, IMDb. Yeah, I, I would I would say that it earns that 7.7. .7. I think as a movie, uh, it's great. I did mention I think I think it was last week's review when we talked when I when we reviewed um, Catch Me If You Can. I pointed out how a lot of these movies are based off of books. I think actually the last three movies have been based off of books: uh, Fight Club, Catch Me If You Can. And The Count of Monte Cristo, these are all based off of books. The Count of Monte Cristo as a book, it was written in the 19th century, and it's over a thousand pages long. So, you know, maybe one day I will, like, actually read this book, and then go back and rewatch The Count of Monte Cristo. But, um... But, yeah, I mean... <laughs> if any of you are actually, like, willing and able to read over a thousand pages first and then see the movie that is commitment all right salute to all of you who are willing to actually do that um before i get into like the trivia and like the behind the scenes i just like to inform you that this movie is now contrary to google google says that this movie is, is available on pluto tv for free i checked that out and it's not the 2002 version it is the version of the movie from like the 70s. Yeah, apparently there was a Count of Monte Cristo movie in like the 70s. So I guess the 2002 film is technically a kind of remake. Although both movies are based off of the same book. So, you know. Kind of like how there's two A Raisin in the Sun. There's the A Raisin in the Sun from the 60s with uh, Sidney Poitier. And then there's the 2008 remake with Sean Combs. Both movies are based off the same book. So no, it is not available on Pluto TV. Uh, it's not really on any uh, streaming service as of the recording of this podcast. I literally had to purchase the movie on uh, YouTube. Yeah, but it's available for purchase or rent on Google Play Movies, on YouTube, on Apple TV, Vudu, uh, Amazon Prime Video, and Redbox. But you'd have to actually rent the movie, rent or purchase uh, the movie on any of those um services it is not available for free on any um not available for free on any of these uh streaming services unfortunately on with the trivia as my computer so before the uh trivia i'd like to just kind of run through like the top cast on imdb the top cast as previously mentioned, uh, Jim Cavazell played uh, Edmund. Fernand is played by Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce, who also played Aldrich Killian in Iron Man 3. Uh, Maurice is played by Christopher Adamson. Luigi Vampo, played by J.B. Blanc. Uh, the Mansion Owner, played by Guy Carlton. Old Man Dantes, played by Barry Casson. Albert Mondego, played by Henry Cavill, known for The Witcher and for movies like Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, Justice League. Casino, well, Casino Prostitute, played by Brianna Corrigan. Viscount, played by Brendan Costello. Partygoer number two, played as uh, Mary May Reed Devil, Dev Devlin. Mercedes, played by Dagmara Domingzik. Domingzik. Party Gore number three, Stella Feely. Again, apologize if I apologize if I mispronounce any of these names. Uh, if any of these actors are listening, um, or any diehard fans of these guys. Villefort played by James Frain. Morel played by Patrick Godfrey. Jacopo played by Luis Guzman. He was um, the father in uh, Wednesday. Wednesday's Wednesday Adams' father. Party Gore number one, Joe Hanley. Uh, Ab, Ab Fair, played by Richard Harris. Julianne, played by Catherine Holm. Directed by Kevin Reynolds, written by Alexandre Dumont and Jay Wolpert. Alright, uh, taglines. Prepare for adventure. Count on revenge. Uh, motion pictures rating is rated PG-13. Did you know... Screen, screenwriter Jay Wolpert came up with the idea, not present in the not present in the novel, that Fernand Mondego, 
Guy Pierce and Edmund Dantes, uh, started out as best friends. His logic was that it would work better as a buddy film that turned sinister. Wolpert believed that when a friendship sourced that when when a friendship soured, the hate generated was both was both more terrible and more believable. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess creative liberties creative liberties were taken. You know, but uh <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, when a friend friend turns on another friend it's you know you know it's that it's that betrayal is is, he, is even worse when it's somebody who you've loved and trusted your whole life oh. so yeah the Count of Monte Cristo was one of Mark Twain's favorite books Mark Twain uh, Mark Twain's from the state of Connecticut um, <laughs> when Twain toured Europe in 1867 he made a special stop to see the prison the Chateau d'If the adventures of Huckleberry Finn contains a humorous spoof of Monte Cristo I haven't read The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, but I'm wondering, is the prison Chateau d'If, like, is it closed now, or is it still, does it exist? I have been meaning to visit France one of these days. But yeah, Mark Twain, he's from Connecticut. The encounter with Napoleon on Elba is a sequence created specifically for the film. Since the book begins with the Ferron's return to, Mer to Marseille, and Edmond recounting what happened, the filmmakers felt that actually showing the events was more cinematically interesting than Edmond just talking about them. So, it's funny that that's not mentioned in a book that's over a thousand pages, but uh, yeah, I guess this is, this is another way of taking creative liberties and adding stuff. Because a lot of times with um, film adaptations of books, they might add some things that's not in the book, and they might even and they might take some stuff out some stuff that's in the book doesn't make it to the movie and then they might compensate for that by adding in th things that would work for the purpose of the film but that were not mentioned in the book so it's a trade-off the movie was filmed in malta and ireland i'm getting my tickets for okay uh malta ireland i am coming your way um to my listeners in those parts of the world malta ireland i'm coming your way i'm buying my tickets right now as soon, soon as we finish this episode i'm buying my tickets for malta and ireland i know ireland that's where they filmed the last jedi um so okay <clears throat> moving on powers powers court house in county wicklow stood in for the parisian estate dantes buys powers court house in county wicklow that's where i'm going getting my ticket right now Soon, 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 as soon as we finish this this uh, episode, the location of the Chateau d'If is actually an old castle in Malta, and is now used by the Maltese military as a communications and weather station. Oh, okay, communications and weather station. Uh, again, you know Malta. Anybody listening? Any anybody listening in uh, Malta? I'm coming your way. Coming your way. I will uh, be seeing y'all soon. Alright, back. Some of the goofs. Goofs. Continuity. Edmund's eye color, f eye color fluctuates between brown and blue throughout the movie. When Edmund and Albert are discussing visiting Paris at the breakfast table, Al Edmund signs the papers and a and a Jacopo and Jacopo removes them all. In the next camera shot, a stack of papers is on the table. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, eye color fluctuation and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it it happens in movies. You know, some actors will, like, forget the blocking and then, yeah, continuity is broken. But that's only something that, like, eagle-eyed viewers will actually, like, pay attention to. At the end of the knife fight with Dante's and Jacopo on the ground, Dante's knife changes between shots. Wow. Well, I guess you also have to probably... Figure they maybe they don't do this and do these scenes in one take. Maybe they don't film one scene and like maybe they don't like finish an entire scene in one day. You know, props department. So last one I'll read. Uh, when Edmund and I and Abby are crawling through the tunnel, Abby's breath blows out his candle, and he is talking as he is talking to Edmund. The camera switches to Edmund as they are talking 
then back to Abby. The candle is a is a light, yet no sound of strike of striking match or tinderbox can be heard. All right, so I, w- I wonder if that w- if that was intentional. So factual errors. When the count buys his estate house, he pays for it with a wagon full of gold coins. In reality, that much gold would be far too heavy for a wooden wagon to support. <laughs> That's again one of those it's a movie uh, moments. In the opening scene on the beach, Dantes and Mondego are being chased by British redcoats on horseback. Redcoats of the type depicted were only worn by British infantry who never rode on horseback. Britain had separated mounted musket troops, dragoons, who wore entirely different uniforms and colors, generally blue and gray. So yeah, that's a bit of uh, factual errors. Uh, Incorrectly regarded as goofs, Edmund can't read, but then he engraves the words, God will give me justice, on the stone wall while in confinement. However, the engraving was already there when he entered prison. The warden told him that they that the text what the warden told him what the text said and he simply traced over it later so that's not a goof uh revealing mistakes when albert is brandishing his sword against the count the the sword safety tip is visible okay well you have to understand henry cavill he was like what 19 at the time like eight like probably 18 at the time so again another error when Edmund Dantes goes to see Villefort for the first time, the clock on the tower is painted on. <laughs> wow. Probably made like zero effort to hide that. But yeah, you know, these are just, these are all stuff that like eagle-eyed viewers would would uh, notice. Uh, I'll read uh, one quote from Edmund. Life is a storm, my young friend. You will bask in the sunlight one moment. Be shattered on the rocks the next. What makes you a man is what you do when the storm comes. You must look into that storm and shout as you did in Rome. Do your worst, for I will do mine. Then the fates will know you as well. Then the fates will know you as we know you, as Albert, as Albert Bondego, the man. Tell my men listening. I got that. Life is a storm. You know, you, again, you bask in the sunlight one moment, you wake up one day feeling great, and then, and then, and then you get called into the boss's office saying you're fired. Hey, you gotta be, you gotta be willing to take the hits. All right, you know, no matter how many times you get knocked down, you might be down for the count. You better get your ass up. Better get up. It's like the song by Saint Motel. You gotta get up, you gotta get up, move, gotta get up, gotta get up, move, yeah. That's what that song's about. The song is about this quote from Edmund. Gotta get up, gotta get up, move, alright? Can't just stay in one spot and accept defeat. It's like I said in my Fight Club review. Don't be a pussy. Alternate versions. The UK version has six, had six seconds cut by the BBFC to earn a PG certificate instead of a 15 the cuts were to two shots of a man being hung. Oh. Probably the, the time that, uh, what's his face? The guy who, again, I can't remember his name. The first mate. Probably the scene where he was hung from the pirate ship. Uh, connections. This movie was featured in The Count of Monte Cristo and Epic Reborn. It's probably some documentary that was. That was made about the movie, either before or after. So, user review. I will read uh, this one user review. It's a bit lengthy. Prepare for adventure. Count on enjoying this. The Count of Monte Cristo is exactly what I expected it to be. Entertaining. A classic? No. However, it's far from a dud. And you could do a lot worse if you want to whittle away a bit of time watching a movie. The movie version of the book leaves a bare-bones plot which is quite simple. Edmund Dantes is falsely imprisoned for treason, having been blackmailed by his friend Fernand Mondego, who covets Dantes' wife-to-be. Cue languishment in prison, where he plots his escape 
and his ultimate revenge on Dante's in a highly fashionable style. This movie is is a neat little adaptation of the novel, seeing as it manages to retain some great pacing on screen. At times, admittedly, you feel there's certain pieces rushed, particularly towards the end as Dante's plan unveils, but since it's sufficient to keep the story moving along swiftly, that's okay. The script is nice and witty, there's a real sense of fun permeating the movie, while Caviezel is a serious actor, Guy Pierce is obviously loving his role as the dastardly Mondego, hamming and, cam hamming and camping it up with a glee that's delightful to behold. He steals the screen every time he's on it. Other members of the cast similarly light up the movie, particularly Luis Guzman as Dante's sidekick Jacopo, and a wonderful turn by Richard Harris as the high camp prison warden, prison warden Abby, Abby Faria. I found him hilariously nasty. <laughs> uh, oh, so Richard, oh, so R Richard Harris, he played the prison warden? Okay. The direction of the movie is nice and smooth. There's no need for a fancy trickery here on the part of Kevin Reynolds. Indeed, the smooth, the smooth, almost gentle nature of it all, including well-placed sword fights, is a nice chance for some of the more overly excessive energetic work of today's movies. Is the movie perfect? No. It's not smart enough or quite well-made enough for that. But it is a hell of a lot of fun and most certainly enjoyable, and that's often all you want. With its with its great sense of fun and some lovely performances throughout, it's a worthwhile diversion for a while. I'll give it a seven point eight. Yeah, I would I would agree. I pretty much uh, agree with this user review. Uh, this user review has been made by Aiden McGinnis on April twenty second, two thousand two. So yeah, I I think that this is a fun movie. Um, it's a it's a quick watch. I mean, it's you know two two hours and eleven minutes, but it's such a it's a really fast paced movie. The pacing does kind of slow down a bit in the like in the in the prison scenes slightly, but really I have no complaints. Like it, like it's it's just an overall fun movie. Like it's just an overall just being able to like live vicariously through like Edmond Dantes and just having the biggest come up of his life, <laughs> and like it, it's 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 just a thrill ride. Like the movie. It's a thrill ride, you know, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, movie had an estimated thirty-five million dollar budget. Uh, its gross income in the U.S. and Canada, uh, fifty-four over made over fifty-four million dollars. Uh, well, domestically, you know, well, in the U.S. and Canada, uh, opening weekend it made over eleven million, like eleven point three million at the box office. Domestically, uh, worldwide, it made seventy-five million. Uh, Runtime, 2 hours, 11 minutes, so not too, too long. Uh, it's in color, aspect ratio, 1.85 to 1. Uh, lastly, I will check the Rotten Tomatoes score. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 73%, audience score 88%. I probably lean more towards the 73%, because again, it's, a, it's not a perfect movie. There's no such thing as a perfect movie. It doesn't exist. Uh, it's a really, really fun movie that we can all learn from. You know, it's a, it's a really fun movie that we can all learn from. And yes, there's a lot of things that are added to the movie for the purpose of the movie. Uh, if Alexandre Dumont were here today, I think that he would be uh, satisfied with what we've done with his movie. The critics' consensus is, though it may not reach for any new artistic heights, The Count of Monte Cristo is an old-fashioned yet enjoyable swashbuckler. <laughs> I completely agree. Uh, yep, I, I completely agree. Um, well, I mean, that is all I've got for this review of The Count of Monte Cristo. Um, let me know in the comments down below what, what you what you guys thought of this movie. Uh, just, hit, just hit me up on... Well, just, I guess, <laughs> hit me up on Instagram, uh, Facebook, or TikTok. Let me know. Let, let me know what you what you guys thought about this. Let me know what you guys thought about this movie, and I might I might even read read some of your replies in, in a future episode. So, but yeah, um, tune in next week when we review the movie um, 
Elf. Uh, Elf, yes, the Christmas movie from 2003, Christmas classic. We'll be reviewing that uh, next week, so stay tuned for that. Be sure to follow Cobb's Corner on all social media. We are on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Oh, no, we're not on Twitter. <laughs> we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We are on TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you liked what you heard today, be sure to give us a five-star review on on all uh, listening platforms, wherever, wherever, you're, wherever you're listening from. And um, hope you guys enjoyed your stay here at Cobb's Corner. I'll talk to all of you in the next episode. Peace.